Hi, everyone. Today we're going to talk a little bit about uh, going to Ayurveda a little bit more. We're going to talk about the three main causes, or actually four main causes of illness, and how we can avoid those and even work with them to deepen our spiritual practices and to help us on the awakening path. The interesting thing is, uh, as I was preparing uh, for for this for this uh, little lecture, of course, uh, I was looking at the Vedic astrology. Um, I practice Vedic astrology, and so I'm always <laughs> always looking to see what's going on or try to. And if we were to go outside and and look. If we could see the planet Saturn, we would see that it's uh, currently starting to slow down and station. Right? This happens every once in a while. From our perspective on Earth, Saturn stops moving and then it goes retrograde. And it goes retrograde for about six months. And it's kind of an interesting thing to note and to sort of think about what Saturn represents. And, and this kind of ties into the four main causes of illness or dis-ease, uh, disease or dis-ease and balance that we can, uh, we, we can see how the Saturn energy can actually help us towards uh, working with some of our, our, our problems or limitations or things that we want to get over, move past. And, and so to, to kind of talk about Saturn, I'm going to tell a little, I'm going to tell a quick story. It's an abridged version of a story that Dr. Robert uh, Saboda uh, wrote in his book, The Greatness of Saturn. He calls it uh, The Greatness of Saturn, a Therapeutic Myth. And so again, it's, it's an abridged version. But the idea is that, that Saturn in the story is like this god, is this being. And its main, its main objective is to do several things, but one of its biggest one of its biggest objectives is to make people humble, right? So that we can, we can be earnest and work within the time that we have in the physical body to do our duty and work towards spiritual evolution, right? And so Saturn in this story is like the, is we can imagine is Saturn as being like a God. And the, the story begins with Saturn talking to his guru, his teacher. And so Saturn tells his teacher, it's, it's my job to, to transit over your moon. And so a little bit of the backstory is that when Saturn trans, transits over a moon in Vedic astrology, it's, it's a tougher time. It's a time of evolution and growth, but it can be a harder time. So Saturn was doing its duty and wanted to travel over his guru, his teacher's moon. And so he was telling his teacher, well, it's my duty to go over your moon. And his teacher, his guru said, nah, -uh. <laughs> no way. Look, I don't need you to go over my moon and I forbid you to do it. But Saturn being duty bound said, no, it's my job. It's what I'm, it's what I'm here to do. And so they go back and forth for a while. And as they're talking, his teacher is emphatic that he does not go over his moon. And Saturn sees that as him not being earnest or humble. So he sees, oh, I really have to because I'm going to help you. And, and that's my duty. And so they, they go back and forth for a while and they decide that, that he is going to go over his teacher's moon. But instead of the seven and a half years that it usually takes, he's going to do it in a few hours. Right? They started, well, I'll do it for two years. And he said, no. He said, well, I'll do it for two months. He said, no. And he said, well, how about three or four hours, something like this. And so they agreed on this time that Saturn was going to transit his teacher's moon, right? And this is a time that's considered to be harder. Things will come up, fear mainly, restrictions. And so what the guru did, the teacher, he decided that, well, he, Saturn's going to go over my moon. So what I'm going to do is I'm going to incarnate to Earth and I'm going to take a day for myself. I'm going to, I'm going to go down to the river and I'm going to, I'm going to bathe in the river and I'm going to have a lunch and just relax. You know, he decided to do some self care, right? What could happen, right? I'm going to go and, and bathe and relax. And so he did this. He incarnated to earth and he was walking down to the river and he saw someone selling watermelon. So he, he thought, well, that will be my lunch after I bathe. And so he bought two 
beautiful, large watermelons and he put them in his knapsack. And then he went to the river and he bathed himself in the river and he, he did, he got out of the water and he did abhyanga. He put oil on his body. He anointed it with sandalwood, right? Nice and relaxing, sitting in the sun. And he was walking back up to where there were some trees so he could have his lunch and eat his watermelons. As he was walking up to the trees, he saw two guards approaching him. They were guards of the local king and they were out searching for something. And they saw the old man or the, the guru who looked like an old man. And they said, old wise man, can we look inside of your bag? And he said, sure. And he opened up his bag to show him the watermelons. And they were all surprised and a little bit horrified to find out that the watermelons were actually the heads of two of the king's sons, right? The guards were out looking for the king's sons and they saw the knapsack and they saw what looked like blood inside of it. So he opened it up, showed it to them, and suddenly the watermelons were not watermelons. Suddenly they were the head heads of the king's sons. So they grabbed him and they, they brought him back to the king and they put him in front of the king and they said, we have found this old man and he has your son's heads. And the king was very upset. You know, he was distraught. He couldn't believe the misfortune that had fallen upon him. And so he ordered the guru, the teacher, to be put to death, to be executed. And so the, the guru, the teacher, tried to explain there must be a mistake. Those were just watermelons. All the while, he knows that Saturn is going over his, his moon. And so he, he's, he's seeing that this is this karma that he has no control over that he, that's playing out. But the guards are going to put him to death. And so he reasons with them. He says, listen, please, just give me a couple more minutes. Because in a few minutes, his transit would be over. He knew that the time would be up. Right? And they, they went back and forth. But finally, one guard listened to him, gave him two minutes. Right? At the end of the two minutes, suddenly, the sons come into the courtyard where everyone was. And they're alive and they're fine. And they look back, and the watermelons are not the heads of the sons. They're actually, they were actually the watermelons again, right? And so this is, this is an interesting story. Uh, one, could you, I don't, I don't know if you could imagine doing that to your guru, <laughs> right? But the, the interesting thing is that it's a, it's a story that allows us to sort of look into what Saturn represents in, uh, in human life. And so Saturn represents our limits. Saturn represents our hard work. Saturn represents the things that are the, the things that are hard in our life, that are individual, things that we cannot change, things that we have to work on. Right? Some things that we can change, we have to work on them. Some things that we have to accept that we cannot change. Right? But no matter what, Saturn is about working hard and dealing with things that are difficult. Right. And the biggest the biggest lesson of Saturn is to be humble, to be humble, to do our work and to serve others and to serve God. Right. But the interesting thing about Saturn is that it does this in a way by a lot of times bringing up fear. Right. So in the, in the story that the heads were watermelons, but for a while or the watermelons, excuse me, the watermelons were heads. But they were always just watermelons. But, but when Saturn transits or when Saturn affects us, it can make things that are very small seem giant, right? We go through a hard time and we look back on it and we think, well, actually, it wasn't so hard. Why did I think it was so hard? Well, a lot of times it's because of the fear associated with what we're going through. So Saturn creates anxiety and, and fear and it, and it blows it up to to something bigger than it actually is. And it's said to do this uh, so that we will focus on, on what it is it's trying to show us. So it will make something a lot harder, seem a lot more extreme, so that we're paying attention and so that we, that we take action. Right? Saturn also represents time. And, and some of the hardships and some of the limits that Saturn puts upon us is so that we take advantage of the time that we have 
on the planet, the time that we have in these bodies, because the bodies have, a, have an expiration date. And so we want to take full advantage of being here so that we can spiritually evolve, so that we can do the work that we're here to do, overcome the obstacles that we need to overcome so that we can awaken, right? So Saturn does this by, by showing us our limits, by making us face our fears, and by making us work hard, basically. All right. So, so Saturn is a really interesting concept to think about because it represents our hard work and our limitations, especially the time, the limit of time that we have on this earth. As, as Mr. Davis used to say, the time that we have to get with it. <laughs> right. And, and it's kind of interesting to me because if we look at the four main causes of illness, according to Ayurveda, we can see how this Saturn, the Saturn energy or the Saturn concept can actually be very helpful for us. And so we're going to go into the four main causes of illness according to Charaka. And so the first one is Parinama. And all of these are considered to be illness. They're all, they're, excuse me, they're all considered to be things that cause us physical imbalance, right? To cause doshic imbalance. And the first one is parinama. Parinama. And when we define this, a lot of times you'll see it's defined as time and space. Simply put, we only have so so much time in this body. We only have so many rotations around the sun, right? We only have so many years. And as time goes on, as time as time goes on, we we uh, our bodies get worn down, right? So through time and space, our physical bodies will get worn down eventually, right? And Parinama also speaks to season change. And so there's a little bit of a deeper um, message about Parinama is that if we take good care of the body, especially around season change, the equinoxes, that we can help restore the body to, its, to, a, to a healthy state. So a lot of times there's cleansing that is done or rejuvenation that is done around season change. But the main one of the main causes of illness is time and space. But there's this other side to it that refers to how much information and how much we travel through time and space. So the idea is this, that the more information that we put through our mind and the more that we move our body through time and space, the faster we age. So if we're, if we're going through a lot of stress and we're having to move a lot, to learn a lot, to process a lot, to express a lot, right? All this prana, all this energy moving through the nervous system, right? So if, if, if we are, if we are increasing the amount of information through the mind, it actually can wear down the body. It can, it can accelerate aging. Right. So we can simply look at that as stress in a way. But it's also true if we commute too much, if we're traveling on airplanes here to there, we have to travel for work, we're running around from place to place. Right. So the more that we travel and the more that we travel through our mind or have information coming through our mind, we we actually wear down the physical body. And it's important to note that it depends on your dosha because some people can do a lot more of this than others. But eventually, eventually that excess movement of the mind, the excess movement of the body will wear us down. All right. So, so that's a limit. There's a limit to how much we can move through time and space before it starts to affect our physical body. And so one of the things that we can think about with this is that for for so if for us to take full advantage of the time that we have here right we want to take good care of this body and we want to limit that rajas energy 
right? If we're always moving, if we're always working, we're having all this stress put upon our minds and our nervous systems, it's really hard to stay awake and aware. It's hard to re be in remembrance and it's hard to stay awake when we're in movement, right? Just like it's hard to stay awake if we're asleep, right? When you're asleep, you're not staying awake. But if you're just constantly in the cycle or in this process of moving, it's hard to develop your awareness. And so one of the things that we recommend with Ayurveda is to adopt a lifestyle that is less stressful, to not move around as much, right? To limit the amount of information that's coming at you. And it's, you know, with, with social media, with the news, with everything that's going on, most people are being bombarded by so much information, right? And it's, and it's stressful. And so we want to stay informed and we, we want to stay active and we want to do the things that we need to do. But we absolutely should or can adopt a policy of, of limiting that. And I know most of us do that already. But it's important to just note that, it's, that that is for our spiritual awareness. Because if we're constantly learning and processing all this information and we're moving around everywhere, it's, it's hard to abide in the wholeness of our being. Because that rajas energy, that movement, it burns up our ojas, or the, the essence of our physical body that keeps us healthy and strong, but it also will, will burn up or change our peace, our joy, our sattva, right? It's hard to have sattva and maintain sattva when we're moving too much, all right? So the next, the next main cause of illness, according to the Charaka Samhita, is a Sanskrit word, which isn't that important, the concept's more important, but the Sanskrit word is asat indrayartha samyoga. Asat indrayartha samyoga. And what this word is defined as is the unwholesome conjunction of our senses and their object of affection. All right, so I'll, I'll say that one again. Asat indrayartha samyoga means the unwholesome conjunction of our senses with their objects of affection well, let's let's break it down a little bit so what does this mean well we experience our reality from the physical body through our senses it's what we taste it's what we see it's what we feel so it's the senses and we're very sensual beings right the senses are so strong and so there is a tendency for, for humans and for all of us to overindulge in what feels good, right? And there's a fine line. It's like, oh, this feels good and I, I want to do more. But where is that? More? When do, the fine line is when does that more become too much, right? So, it's, so the idea is that our senses, they'll find something that feels good in our outer experience, and, and, it, and they will try to become one with that, right? The asat indrayartha samyoga, it's asat, not true, not real conjunction of our senses, trying to yoke that feeling. We want to become one with what feels good, basically, right? And this is one of the main causes of illness. And we can look at this in many different ways, is that, when we experience something that's 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 nice, it feels good, we want to do more of it. The big ones, of course, are overindulgence in in alcohol, drugs, the sexual experience, shopping, pursuit of career and power, right? But it can be really subtle too. And often it is. It's it's our sugar, it's the caffeine, it's the things that just get us you know some some people can have one cookie and then some people eat the whole box right and, and so everyone has has a tendency to go too far with a certain sense of enjoyment or pleasure and going back to saturn it's it's important to look at that for yourself it's important to look at your own life and 
and really identify and look at the things that you might be overindulging in, right? The things that if you do too much of it, it actually wears you down. It blurs your awareness and it might block you from having that sattva, having that clarity of awareness, abiding in the wholeness of your being because your senses are too drawn in to the physical experience of this reality, right? And again, they can be really big or they can be, be small, but either way, you want to, you want to look at this for yourself and try to identify where is it, where is it that you might be experiencing too much sensation, right? It's not that we should not experience joy. We should totally experience joy through our senses and, and, and do so in a way that's promoting to this experience. Uh, one of the examples that I, I give with this typically it's kind of a silly one, but it's it's a big one for me. Is that I can't? I love. I absolutely love blue corn chips, right? Those organic blue corn chips. But I cannot have them in the house. I can have ice cream in the house. There can be candy. I don't. I don't deal. I don't do that stuff. I don't. Ha- I don't have any pull towards it. I. It's fine. But if there's corn chips in the house. I'm just going to eat them. I'm not, I'm not going to stop. You know, it's like suddenly, suddenly something else kind of takes over and I just have to eat all of them. I do eat them still sometimes, but I don't buy them. My wife doesn't buy them. And if she does, she hides them somewhere because I've asked her to not let me know about it. Right. And so it'd be great. It'd be good to be like, oh, well, you know, being a yogi, you shouldn't allow something so small to have such a strong pull on you. Well, there might be some truth into that, but instead of fighting with it, I'm just going to avoid it, right? I'm just, I, whatever it is through that experience, I take it too far and it's not good for my dosha. It's not good for my health. Again, that's kind of a, a silly example or a small example because it can be with relationships. It can be pursuing a relationship that's not good for you. It can be, it can be that you're trying to feel good about yourself pursuing a job. It could be that you're overindulging in eating too much, sleeping too much, overindulging in the sexual experience. So all of these things, if we take it too far, are main, is a main cause of physical discomfort and dis-ease. And sometimes this can lead us towards bondage, where it's a pitfall on the path because our life experience becomes too entwined with this something that's external, right? So we, again, looking at Saturn, Saturn helps us know and look at those limits. Where, where are these things that, that can really pull me in the wrong direction? What are they? And can I, as an individual, really see that, there's a, that they should set a limit here? I should set a boundary here so that it doesn't pull me too far in, in the wrong direction. All right, so Asatindrayartha Samyoga is, again, the unwholesome conjunction of our senses and their objects of affection, right? So we want to be careful of being pulled in too deep into our sensual experience because it can block our spiritual evolution. It can block our awareness, if you will. All right, now the... The third cause, one of the main causes of illness or disease, according to Ayurveda, is called, its Sanskrit term is pragnya parada. Pragnya parada. And to define this one, we look at, we can define, excuse me, we can define it as the crime against our intellect. The crime against our intellect right? It's, it is doing things or not doing things that we know that we should or should not do, right? There is a part of us that is completely aware of situations, people, places, things in our life that do not serve us. They do not serve us, right? But for some reason, we choose to do them anyways. So 
when we choose to do or not do things that we know that is called pragnia parada because it is a crime against our our intellect part of this kind of speaks to the human condition because with pragnia parada a lot of times when we when we engage in something that doesn't serve us we we're reminded it doesn't serve us and then we go oh you know that's right i don't like to do this because it doesn't make me feel good and it's like and it's like oh but i i've experienced this before for example when i first moved to california uh, when i came out here to go to school the, i had a house set up i had a job set up and these things just kind of fell apart and i ended up living in my truck uh for almost two and a half months you know trying to get things together and it was it was kind of a great time in a lot of ways and it was kind of interesting this was back in 2005 2006 and i was traveling around in my truck i went to encinitas and i ran into ron uh, at encinitas uh, while i was living in my truck traveling around but the reason i bring it up is because coming out of this time period of being not having the job not having the house like i had to get the job get the house get established and when i started to have enough money again i i really looked forward i looked forward to going out to eat, like going to the restaurant. It was so exciting for me. It's like, let's go out and eat. Let's go and splurge. Then you'd go and eat and it would be enjoyable. And then you get the bill. And then afterwards, it's like, it wasn't as enjoyable as I thought it would be. Right? The food wasn't that good. You know, a lot of times restaurant food doesn't really support your health very well. Um, of course, there's better restaurants, but even, even then, you know, the oils they use, you're not preparing it. You don't know what's really in that food. But I would have this feeling of like being so excited about eating at a restaurant. And then at the end of it, I just kind of feel like, ah, oh, that wasn't that great. That's Pragni Parada because I did that for years. <laughs> I did that for years before I realized, wait a minute, I don't really enjoy this that much. I still go out to eat and I still, I, I still do that every once in a while. Uh, but it doesn't have the same appeal for me. You know, I find that cooking at home and eating at home staying close to home with meals actually is, is much more, is more suited uh, for me, right? But it's just an example of Pragni Parada. I, even though I knew, even though I knew that it wasn't great for me, I continued to do it, right? So a lot of times we choose to forget those things. We choose to ignore them, right? But they're always there. So we can choose to be awake and we can choose to, to, to not ignore them. And so as we're looking at possible pitfalls or possible things that can block our evolution, our awakening uh, evolution, it is to look at things that we do that do not serve us. And, and you don't need anyone else to tell you this. That's, the, that's, the, that's actually a really important point. You already know this. They're the things that you already know, right? If it's spending time with a friend that you look forward to being with them and then then later you're like, I don't really like being around that person. They're very negative. It could be a friend or a family. It could be a job. It could be a relationship. It can be your food choices, spending money, right? Whatever it is, doing certain things that you know that you shouldn't do and you're doing them over and over right? It's, it is actually uh, something that can really block us and cause physical imbalance, if, if not affecting our, our minds as well. And so looking back on, looking at that, looking at our senses and looking at where we can go too far with things that feel good, we also can look at what are the things that we all do? What are some things that you might do that you know that you shouldn't, right? What are some things that you can just like have conscious awareness of and remove them from your life so that you can continue moving forward in a positive way, right? And giving yourself permission to, to avoid those things, to not do them, right? If, if it's a family member, if it's a friend, if it's a work environment, what can you do 
to set up a boundary or to limit your your contact or choose to do something different right and and i've i i, I mentioned that i you know i experienced that going to the restaurant you know that's kind of again it's like the chips it's a very small example some of these things are really big right if we have an addiction of any kind being that we are we are overdrawn towards the sensation of that that thing and we are choosing to forget that it's not serving us this is a huge block on our spiritual path we cannot stay awake if we're choosing to forget right the path of awakening is the path of remembering our true self our true nature and experiencing that it's hard to do this if we're going going home for christmas and dealing with a negative family environment or going and working for a boss that is abusive or spending too much not paying attention to your checkbook right if it's over overuse of your phone that's a big one that a lot of people are stuck on too much time on social media or too much time in front of netflix or a screen again these things are important to know you know after this talk if you can if you feel inspired to do so it'd be a really good idea to one look at the parinama where can you slow down where can you limit busy work where can you avoid that rajas energy right how can you limit the amount of information and prana that is going in through your senses and through your nervous system how can you limit how much you're jumping around place to place right because the more that we're able to limit those things the calmer our nervous systems are and the more we can abide in awareness and in sattva guna and then making a list and looking at what is it in your life if there is something that you overindulge in that you just don't have a lot of control over if it's within if it's around you right of course we do have control we do have willpower but where is that weekend where do you overindulge where is there is there something in your life where you your senses overconsume right trying to become one with that what feels good make a list of that and come up with a strategy come up with a plan to avoid that or limit it because there's certain things like i said the chips i still love them so you know several times a year i'm going to make some really yummy ayurvedic salsa and i'm going to go and get those chips because i do like them do they serve my dosha? No. But do I enjoy them? Yeah, so I'm going to so I'll make a conscious decision to do something, right? So so it's a little, you know, if if there's something that you really like, then you can still enjoy it, but be conscious about it. Limit it. Keep it at arm's length. Don't allow it to lead you down a path where it drains your energy or causes causes physical and mental imbalance. And then finally, really looking at that pragnia parada right if we're able to really identify where we're forgetting right the things that we forget or we're ignoring the people the places the things right that we do in excess or or even in a small dose that doesn't feel good it doesn't serve us right it actually it does the opposite write these down look at these within your own life and and set up the conviction that you're going to work with avoiding this work with limiting this so that you can be more functionally free uh in in the body right because again saturn is the planet of hard work and fortitude it's the planet of discipline as it goes retrograde it's going to for a lot of people it's going to it's going to increase their ability to stay focused and to work hard right now some of the suffering and some of the the heavy load that saturn gives will increase right because we all have individual baggage and stuff and responsibilities and saturn makes us work on those responsibilities but if if we work within the limits of our senses if we limit pragnia parada and create boundaries and avoid the things that we shouldn't do that we know that we shouldn't do 
And then if we can limit our rajas movement, the boundaries of time and space, of how fast we're moving in, through time and space, and to really work with the idea that we are in this body for a limited time. Right, so Saturn is teaching us how to work within those limits to create those boundaries. And when we do so, at first it might feel like we're giving something up, right? It's like gaining a bunch of weight and then losing weight. When you start losing weight, it's hard. You sacrifice. It's like, ah, oh, I want to eat this or I don't want to have to do this exercise, but you do it anyway. And when you do it, after a little while, that sacrifice becomes joy. That sacrifice becomes something that makes you feel good. So a lot of these things, especially with the senses and certain habits, we're doing them because we think they make us feel good, but they don't. We do it because we think it makes us feel good, and it does not. So when we choose to limit it, we choose to avoid it, to create boundaries, and to be a little bit more disciplined, again, at first it feels like we're giving something up, but but there is a freedom and pleasure in having that out of your life or, or being able to not, it doesn't have such a pull on you. Right. And so we can work within the limits of time and the limits of our senses so that we can, we can get, we can do our work. We can do our duty. Or right? going back to that, that, um, that, um, uh, story about Saturn is you know saturn saturn's main objective as far as a symbol as far as an, an as far as a metaphor right is that we should all do our work we should all do our duty right we should we should and we need to because if we don't then the suffering intensifies if we work with it when we do our duty, we do our work, then there's freedom. And Saturn's main message is to work hard and to serve God and awaken, right? So when we're looking at restrictions and austerity and being a little more disciplined around certain things, which doesn't sound fun, but there's a lot of, there's a lot of freedom in that. The more free you are from your senses and, and from these things that I spoke about, uh, according to Charaka and according to the sages, it is that we can experience a more functional reality. We can be more functionally free in our lives and our habits, and it can be very helpful for us on the awakening path. So that's that's my that's my little talk. Um, I'll go ahead and open up to any questions uh, that you that you might have about Pragnya Parada, Asata Indrayartha Samyoga, or anything that I spoke about. Hey Ryan, I had a question from your talk you did a few weeks ago, um, when you talked about not snacking. And I wondered, how does fruit fit into that? Because I'd kind of gotten the habit of snacking on fruit. It's a great question. And so fruit can be very helpful. If you want to enjoy fruit and it's good for your constitutional type, and you can digest it well, then you want to take it at least an hour to 90 minutes away from meals. So you, so you treat it like a little meal. So instead of snacking on it, you know, cause snacking people are usually distracted. They're, they're moving around, they're in front of TV or they're standing up. So if you can, you, you want to, you know, be mindful of it. You sit down, you can do this with all your meals. You sit down, you look at your food and you engage your senses. So you're looking at it. You can smell it and you can get ready to eat it. You take those three breaths and just give thanks for the fruit, if you will. Do a little grace. And then you just eat it and you enjoy it, right? And then you allow, allow it to digest. Sit for five to ten minutes after you eat. And then, and then move on, right? So, so instead of thinking of it as a snack, think about it as a little meal. It's better for your digestion to take fruit away from, from meals, especially starches and proteins. And to so take it, again, an hour to 90 minutes away from meals is best. And yeah, it, it can be great. Fruits, fruit is wonderful. Uh, and it is also said that eating fruit that is in season 
where you live actually is very helpful for keeping your dosha, dosha balanced. And, you know, for some people, they'll be able to eat fruit, maybe mixed fruit with oatmeal and things like this and not have any problems. And so if you have a strong digestive system and you don't have a lot of gas or bloating, constipation or so forth, uh, then, you know, taking fruit in small amounts like apples, sautéing ghee mixed with oatmeal, things like this are okay, as long as you don't have a lot of digestive challenges. Yeah. Thank you. Absolutely. Any, anyone else have any questions? I have one. This is Gail. Hi, Gail. Hi, Ryan. Um, actually, I have a couple, so... Um, All right. This Saturn retrograde, what is the time period within which this occurs? Well, we can see that it officially starts uh, around the 13th of May, and it's going to last about six months. Okay. Yeah. And then, um, so there are eclipses coming up over the June-July time period, right? Mm-hmm. Um, I was wondering if you could share with us if there are any predictions about events or circumstances that it, we might benefit from knowing about. For, uh, in particular, you know, um, the financial situation, the markets. Yeah, it's, it's, a, it's a really good question. And, and I, have, I have to say that I have a I've studied the one that's coming up, but I want to, I want to look into it more before I speak on it. Um, uh, Ron did forward that question to me. So I, if you, I'll be giving giving another talk in a couple of weeks and I'll, I will go into that a little bit more then because I want to research the eclipse points and that kind of stuff a little bit more thoroughly. Um, but I can tell you that, looking at the last eclipse that was a really, it was a major eclipse that we went through in December. And it just so happens that the eclipse, the eclipse point, and then where the nodes were at that point um, really mirrored a lot that happened uh, during 9-11 as far as what's going, the United States is going through and in the world. And so it's it, it's kind of it's kind of really interesting. And with the eclipse coming up this summer, it starts a new chapter. So some of the energy that was released, if you will, or some of the circumstances and karma that was that manifested, uh, will shift uh, during that time. But but I'll wait to to speak on that until I look at it a little bit more clearly. Okay, I'll make sure I I uh, sit in on your next workshop. All right. Yeah, sorry, sorry, I don't have more information on it. No, no, that's fine. Um, and lastly, uh, so I'm interested in astrology, but I everything I read or follow is is typically the I think it's called tropical versus Vedic. So I was wondering if you could provide um, what you think is a good source for Vedic astrology trends. As far as like people that are doing forecasts and and putting out information on a regular basis, or or how to learn it. No more of the forecast information. Mm-hmm. Yeah, there's a there's a lady named Camilla Sutton. Mm-hmm. Uh, she's a she's a renowned Vedic astrologer, and she's a very nice lady. I was able to do some study with her last November. And on YouTube, she she has some, she's good, she puts out really clear information that's helpful, and that would that would be who I'd recommend. Okay. Uh, and so if you go to YouTube, you can just Google uh, Camilla Sutton, and then if you email me, I can send a link to some others that you might enjoy. Okay. Yeah. Um, how do I get your email address? My, my email is on if you go to the CSA website. Yeah. And, you, and you look at the ministers, my, my email is on there and it's, it's just strong Veda, V-E-D-A, V-E-D-A, excuse me, at gmail.com. Okay, super. Thank you very much. Absolutely. Thank you. Hello, Ryan. Walter speaking. Hi, Walter. Thank you so much for your great workshop. Wonderful. Just one question regarding um, fastening. Do you recommend your patients fastening? And did you do it also for yourself? 
Yes. Um, so with, from it, <laughs> it's a big it's a big concept or a big question because it really depends on on the individual and their state and the definition of fasting. Fasting can mean not having any food at all, right? And so if you're if you're more kapha or if you're more pitta and you have good ojas, then you can avoid food for maybe a, a couple of days. But the thing about it is that from an Ayurvedic perspective, we can fast, so we limit what foods that we eat and how much we eat. But at the same time, we're always trying to take good care of our Agni, our, our digestive fire, which is going to be synonymous also with our metabolism. And so the idea is that if we don't feed our Agni, if we don't keep it healthy, and we, we, don't, we fast too long, then it can actually slow our metabolism and weaken our digestive fire. And so a lot of times, instead of doing like a pure fast of no food, if it's more than one day, then we're going to add in maybe some kitri or dal, having a small amount, some, a little bit of food that's warm, cooked, spiced, soft, and, and it has a little bit of oil in it. So taking a little bit of food, but not much through the duration of the fast so that you're getting the benefits of the fast, but you're also maintaining your digestive fire so that, so that you, you don't put it out, right? Because again, you know, if you go too far with not eating at all, it can have a negative effect on your metabolism. But it is recommended for kapha or for pitta dosha to, to fast once a, once a week right? Or to really limit the food on one of those, one of those days. And that can be really helpful. If you're in vata time of life, so if you are over the age of 60, if you have any vata imbalances, if your ojas, your energy, your, your core vital energy is low, then if you fast, it will raise that vata and it will aggravate the dosha. And so if there's any vata imbalances in the mind, the body, uh, then we, will, we don't recommend fasting for vata dosha or vata imbalances. Although a vata can really benefit from doing like a kitchri fast, only eating kitchri at regular times, you know, for three, five days, sometimes a little bit more. But we're just very care careful with vata. Uh, Walter, did I answer your question or do you have a follow-up? Yes, was great. Um, I just thought about doing this, let's say, every every week for one day to uh, keep the fire and to release toxic energies and uh, just uh, rest the body and the stomach, you know. Really, it can be so helpful. It's, uh, that's highly recommended unless, unless it aggravates you in a different way. And are you familiar with Panchakarma? Uh, not really. Yeah, look into that. You might you might find that that's something that can be helpful to you, maybe. <laughs> Thank mean, you so much. Just depending. Yep. Thank Great. you. Together, but I was just wondering about the the uh, the agni of uh, not only with the stomach but with the brain, the mind. You know, the the foods that will help that keeps that that, that agni of the brain uh, uh, going in harmony and going well too during this time. Yeah. Yeah, so it, it, of course, foods that are natural, organic, uh, mostly vegetarian. For, for most people mm -hmm. and it's it's going to be the quantity that you eat so not we don't want to overeat that's really important and giving yourself that three to four hours probably for you but i'm being very general here mm -hmm. before you eat again mm -hmm. and so the the idea is to eat foods that are warm cooked soft unctuous slightly oiled mm -hmm. and spiced and they need to taste really good so if they're, they come from a healthy source and they're cooked well, and then we take them in the right amounts at the right time, this is really going to help the jatar agni, the agni of the stomach. And when the jatar agni is, is strong, the butu agni, the agni of the liver is also strong. And so when, when our agni is, or jatar and butu agni is strong, it, it has a secondary effect on our tejas. Right? So when our digestive system is strong, it helps our our, our, our mind with clarity 
Okay. It helps our, so our ability to think clearly, to be decisive, and um, executive functioning and all this kind of stuff, it, it's very helpful. One thing that to avoid, to really help the mind, is to not eat too late. The biggest meal should be taken earlier and definitely hours and hours before you go to bed. If you can do this, then the body really is able to cleanse itself at night. And so in the morning, you have more, you're throughout your day, you're, you're, your brain itself is going to function better. Your lymphatic system is going to function better. Your hormonal and nervous system. So everything functions better when we don't overeat and, or eat too late. The next thing to look at real quick here is AMA, right? So we want to avoid building up AMA. So if you follow those general guidelines that I was talking about, that will help, that will really help avoid building up AMA. AMA is considered to be undigested food. So it's that our, our body wasn't able to fully digest it properly and, and to remove it as waste. So it builds up a residue or a film within, this, within the body. And even a small amount of AMA can adversely affect our, our, cog, our cognition, our, our brain. And so if there is AMA, we want to take in foods or substances that help remove AMA from our body. So we want to take what is known as AMA panchanas. They are herbs or foods that help break up AMA. And so that, that's something that if, if there's any like depression or, or mild cognitive brain fog or having a hard time finding words or focus, that's not typical. Where there used to be more clarity, right? It could be a sign that there is some mental ama and, and doing some mild cleansing or taking in ama panchanas can be very helpful. And in general, some of these could be just bringing in a little bit more turmeric into your food. You could use spices that are good for your dosha, right? So if you're more pitta, fennel, coriander, cardamom, cumin, if you're more kappa, you can definitely bring in more like fresh ginger, black pepper. You can do all of the cumin, fennel, cardamom, nutmeg in small amounts. Like all of these kind of things uh, can also be helpful. Right? Vata can do a lot of spices. They're going to be more sensitive to them. Um, I'm, I'm being very general here because it's really based. It's, you know, each individual is different. Uh, but but ginger is one of the best amapanchanas uh, that we can bring in, and fresh ginger is the best. And if if you have a pitta imbalance, uh, you want to be a little careful with ginger. Maybe go more towards the coriander or or cumin. Okay, but well, thank you, thank you. I appreciate that. Absolutely, absolutely. Well, thanks for having me, everyone. Really, really good to see you. Uh, have have a beautiful day.